I would invite you uh, for a couple of verses to kind of introduce the message to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians in chapter 4. Just note the first two verses. The first two verses. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ, or that's servants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I imagine if if I would ask most of you, uh, as, a, as especially, a, 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 well, as, as Christians, um, do you, you realize your need of being a, a, a servant, a servant for God, and, 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 a, and a Christ-like servant? And, and you would probably, your first response would probably be, well, yes, yes, that, that's what I want to be, a servant for God, and a, Christ is a good example, uh, that's what I want to be. Um, well, how, how, how do we go about that? Well, uh, books, books have been written on that, and we don't have time to go through books this morning, but we do have time to look at a, a few verses and make a few comments. And um, So I've entitled the message this way, just zeroing in or narrowing it down to just a couple of things, uh, and that is this, two imperatives for a Christ-like servant. You can make long lists of imperatives, long lists of uh, requirements, long lists of, uh, of necessary things to be Christ-like, to be a Christ-like servant. I'm simply saying this morning two imperatives for a Christ-like servant and so I'll just mention those two right now, and then we'll, we will look at them. <clears throat> number one, we will look at stewardship. And number two, humility. Stewardship and humility in trying to be a Christ-like servant. Well, we've looked at these two verses, as Apostle Paul wrote here, let a man so account of us as of the ministers or servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Well, let's look then and think of stewardship um, in being a, a Christ-like servant. Uh, we need to be a good steward. We need to be a, a, a servant that uh, uses his master's things and time and talents wisely. And there's various uh, accounts in the scripture of, uh, and especially parables uh, uh, that Jesus told, but other accounts also that, that we could put under this thing of, of stewardship. And, and being a, 
a wise servant, a wise steward of the master's things and the master's responsibilities that he has given us. Jesus said, I won't turn to this, but Jesus said this in John chapter 4, or John chapter 9 it is, John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said this, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. There's two things about stewardship in those few lines that Jesus said that I just quoted. First of all, I must work. There's work to be done. Am I getting it done? Am I a good steward? Am I a good servant of the master? Or am I sitting idly by and just letting things go by and it's too late, uh, you know? Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. There's things to do. I need to do it. That has something to do with stewardship. Furthermore, he said, while it is day, he realized he didn't have forever to do this work. He realized there's a time limit. He realized there's a timely time to do it. While it is day, I need to do it now. And he explained that a little further by simply saying, the night cometh when no man can work. So if he's suggesting there will be a time when you can't do the work, then that means we need to do the work now. I'm saying stewardship is, is one imperative if you expect or if you claim to be a Christ-like servant. A beautiful little short phrase from from Jesus there to put things in perspective. I must work the works of him that sent me. I must work the works of the master today. The night cometh when no man can work. It'll soon be too late. You could apply that to various things in your own heart and life. The Holy Spirit can bring things to your mind that you know you know you should be doing. You need to get done. Uh, you know it may be in your personal life, in your family life, in your community life, or whatever. Um, we could think about being stewards of our bodies and minds and abilities and time and I've already maybe alluded to some of that but I would like to um, to think about just one area and this, this, is, this is an example uh, but, and, and we don't have time to look at a lot of examples and go into a lot of detail but uh, an example of, of, of being a steward of, of our maybe more of our minds but um, since uh, you know I'm not sure where this department is in us I'm just saying in our, our stewards of our body and mind of course when you think about stewards of our body you can think about health and I'm not think I'm not going that direction this morning to, to talk about our health but certainly that is a very important uh, part of stewardship but I'm thinking about more of the inner man uh, in our in our mind here in this particular example um, let's turn to Luke in chapter 11. 
Luke chapter 11. Um, there's a lot of uh, young families here this morning and um, there's so many different areas in your homes and with your children that you had better be a good steward of in the eyes of God. You need to be a good steward of in the eyes of God as a servant in your family, as a servant before Christ with your, with your children. Um, we, are, we, we will be held accountable uh, for, for the stewardship of our times and talents and leadership in our families. And I'm just zeroing in on, on one thing here as an example this morning. Luke chapter 11, just verse 23 to 26. Luke 11, beginning at verse 23. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of the, a man, he, and by the way, the next pro, various pronouns, the next following number of pronouns in verse 24 uh, and 25 are talking about the spirit, the evil spirit, okay, not the man. It's the pronoun for the spirit, okay? Verse 24, when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man, he or the spirit, the evil spirit, walketh through dry places and seeketh rest and findeth none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Jesus in his wisdom knew how to introduce this little saying or these few thoughts by saying, verse 23, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. If you take a nonchalant attitude and you don't do things in positively, the devil will take advantage of that. And, and fill up a space that's empty. I said I'm going to look at a particular example, and it's just this. It's in the area of, of song and music. And again, you could apply this to various areas of life. I'll just look at this one. I, I'm suggesting this morning, and you've heard me say this, God has apparently built us and created us, human beings, with a special department for song and singing and music. The Bible proves that, and the world proves that. And families, parents, you have a responsibility to make sure something positive happens in your family. And if you don't, it'll be a vacuum there, it'll be a void there, just like this few verses we just read. It'll be a clean spot, and the devil will take advantage of it and fill your, you and your children's hearts and minds, and fill that music department in your body with junk. Stewardship. We must be using wisely how, what God made us and how God made us. Um, I, I'm saying 
the fact that God made us with a, a part of us being uh, for song and singing and music, the Bible proves it and, and the world proves it. And I'll just mention this. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible speaks of music in some form or another over 300 times. The, the Bible commands us to sing, direct commands to sing dozens of times. Um, those verses that many of you could quote in, in uh, Ephesians uh, 5 and Colossians 3, to talk about singing together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in the, in the congregation among each other. The Apostle Paul wasn't talking to the choir there. He was talking to the people. He wasn't talking to just the, the quartet or something. He was talking to the congregation. He was talking to the church. <clears throat> as far as the world is concerned, <clears throat> why is it that when we walk into retail stores, stores doing business, they have music playing? You, you think they do that to keep people away? <laughs> well, of course not. You think they do that because the manager of the store happened to got, get a, uh, ha have a degree in music or something from Juilliard or something? Well, of course not. The world knows that music speaks. The world knows that music has power. The world knows, if, you, if we don't, uh, that God, and they won't say it this way, but this is what they know, that we are created where, where song and music has something to do with us. We have that department within us. And music speaks. And they know that. And so they turn the music on. And various types of music at various times of the day and in various places. But it's music. Because it speaks to man. And sometimes we, you know what I mean, you know, we take such a nonchalant attitude about it and say, well, no, that, 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 uh, well, how do you say that? How do you know that? How can you say that? And so forth. And the devil is continuing to do his dirty work in the lives of people with song and singing and music. And we, we want to not say too much about it, you know. <clears throat> the devil is smart. <clears throat> the devil knows how we were made. The devil knows how God created us. I'm saying, as we look at these verses... If we leave a void, if we leave a vacuum there, the devil's going to take advantage of it and fill it. There's been too many well-meaning parents over the years that said, we need to take away this music. We need to take these bad recordings from our children. We, we need to, to take this away. We need to get this out of our house. And they don't fill it with what's good and well and proper. Therefore, there's a void, there's a vacuum, there's an empty spot, and the devil will take advantage of it and use it and fill it. That's a poor steward, I'm saying. That's a poor steward of our minds when we leave empty spots that God expected to be full of praises to him. When God created to be full of something good and we just take a nonchalant attitude about it and don't do anything with it and we don't sing with our children and we just say, well, that, you know, they'll learn that in school or something and there's a void and a vacuum there. And our children will go out and fill that space with something that will be unfortunate. <clears throat> Let's look now at a couple of places concerning um, stewardship of our abilities and of our time. 
I'm saying that stewardship is certainly an imperative to be a Christ-like servant. Luke chapter 12, just turn over a page or two to chapter 12. <coughs> Beginning at verse 42. Luke 12:42, and uh, reading uh, some following verses. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? We're talking about stewardship. We're talking about being a Christ-like steward, a Christ-like servant. And part of it is stewardship. Who then is that faithful and wise steward? <clears throat> Whom his Lord shall make rule over the household to give them portions of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the men, servants, and maidens and to eat and drink and be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and an hour when he is not away and will cut him in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will. In other words, he was not a good steward. He claimed to be a servant. <coughs> he was not a good steward. End of verse 47, shall be beaten with many stripes, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whom much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, <coughs> they will ask the more. <clears throat> uh, Usher, could, could, you, could I have some water, please? <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, so where are we at? Where are you and I at in, in verses, uh, well, verse 48 kind of puts it all together. I'm suggesting that we are certainly those that have much. In, in so many different areas, we are certainly those that have much. <clears throat> what does it say? Much will be required. Stewardship. We've been given much. Much is required. How will we stand before our master as a servant? <clears throat> as we stand before our master... Um, will he say you've been a good steward? I've given you much, and you've used it. You've been wise with it. You've used it wisely. Or will he have to say you had much, you had many advantages, you had many opportunities, but you have not been a good steward? How will it be? Um, it, it, it's, it's sobering. Um, one imperative of a, of a Christ-like servant is to be a, a good steward. Use our bodies, our minds, our time, our abilities wisely. In chapter 16, over a couple more pages, chapter 16 of Luke, just look quickly at the first three verses. And he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods, and he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for, <coughs> for thou mayest be no longer my steward, longer steward. 
Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. <coughs> Thank you. So there's another steward, another servant steward. Um, he found himself in a, in a bad situation because he had not been a wise steward. He was a servant. He had a master. He, had, he was required. He had some requirements in his life, in his leadership, in his stewardship, in his... Uh, as a, as a servant of the master, and this is where he found himself. Had not been a wise steward, not a wise servant. Turn over a couple more pages to chapter 19. <clears throat> chapter 19. And uh, if you notice, beginning in verse 12, you have a parable of the, the pounds here, and, and you know the story. I, I'm not going to take time to read all these verses here this morning. <clears throat> As you read it, it is similar. <clears throat> it is similar to the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. But you know the story. So the master is going to go away. <clears throat> And he hands out some things. Here he hands out some pounds. <clears throat> there he hands out some talents. Uh, <clears throat> in, in another parable, uh, you know, he gave, uh, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe ten to one and five to another and two to another. Uh, in this situation, uh, he gave, uh, what, the same amount to, to every one. But then uh, they used them. They didn't all use them the same way. <clears throat> And he gave some allowance for that because everybody didn't have the same resources. Everybody didn't have the same opportunities, the same abilities. And, and, and the master realized that and knew that. What's unfortunate there sometimes is when you and I try to tell the master how, un, how much lack of talent or lack of ability we have. When, when the master knows that much better than we do, okay? The one who made us knows us inside out, knows us much better than we do. So it's best to let our creator tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do and what we can do and what we can't do and what we have the ability to do and so forth, rather than we trying to make excuse to the master and kind of feel good about since I told him that, that now he knows that I can't do this, you know? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> anyway, um, there were some that took what the master gave them and made good use of it. I'll just say it in a general way. They made good use of what was given to them. There was others that, of course, just simply put, did not make good use unwisely used, were a very poor steward of the things that were given, the pounds that were given, the talents that were given, whatever was given, were 
unfortunately, they were poor stewards. And condemnation came to them. Um, look at the end of this parable. Uh, just read, for instance, uh, verses 26 and 27. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, <coughs> even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. Uh, you could comment on that verse right there. Sometimes there's people <coughs> that may be poor, <coughs> and you can make a list of things that a person could be poor, and I don't mean that one person is poor in all these. I'm just saying here's a list of things that sometimes people are poor in. What does that mean? <coughs> in their finances or their management abilities or their leadership abilities or their servanthood abilities or whatever. <clears throat> and, and some of the reason that they may be considered poor is because of verse 26, because of the, <clears throat> the truth <clears throat> that's in verse 26. They have not used wisely what God has given them. They have not used wisely what God has given them to do. And consequently, their abilities have got worse rather than better. Their situation has gone downhill rather than improved. That's what it says in verse 26. This, these are the words of Jesus. Everyone that hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken from him. What it's saying, he that did not use wisely what he was given, he that did not use wisely the opportunities that came his way, <clears throat> what little he had will be taken away from him. He will get worse than he was in the first place. <clears throat> Verse 27, but those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. The parable in Matthew 25, it ends in a similar way. <clears throat> a little different words, a little different situation, but it ends in a, in, a, in a very serious judgment like this one does. <clears throat> one imperative to be a Christ-like servant is to be a good steward. <clears throat> We must move on to this second one I'd like to look at this morning, and that is a second imperative for a Christ-like servant is humility. Humility. I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. <clears throat> Follow as I read, beginning at verse 1. Um, and, and be thinking about, you know, this thing of, of uh, humbleness and humility. 
In other words, it's, it's the opposite of, of lifting oneself up or, or lifting someone up and saying, look at who I follow or, or uh, look at what a good uh, servant I am or something like that. It, it's the opposite of that. And the Apostle Paul is trying to, to bring this out as he, as he speaks to <clears throat> the church at Corinth uh, here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, begin and read at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Now, as I continue to read a few more verses, it's already introduced a thought. As you note, and I have them underlined in my Bible so they jump out at me, but you can, you can follow as I... <clears throat> he's going to keep referring to God. But God, but God, but God. It's not about man. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and His work. <clears throat> that helps put us in our place. That helps bring us in. That helps humble us. And he mentions this about God, but it's about God. He mentions it seven times by the time he gets to, to verse 10. He's already, the first one I counted is in verse 5 with the word Lord there. <clears throat> Paul and Apollos are just trying to be servants. We're, we're not to be followed. We're just trying to be servants to, 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 to teach you, to bring you to God. It's about the Lord. It's about God. Seven times mentioned here in a few verses. Let me <clears throat> notice the end of verse 5. Even as the Lord <coughs> gave to every man. Verse 6. I have planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. But God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are labors together <coughs> with God. Ye are God's husbandry. And that means garden. Ye are God's garden. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God. And only by the grace of God. It wouldn't work any other way. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't be possible any other way. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and other men buildeth their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's all about God. It's all about God's work. It's not about you. 
It's not about me. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's about God and his work. A Christ-like servant will exhibit humility and not self. Matthew 23. Let me just show you a couple of verses here in Matthew 23. And uh, <clears throat> this might be the only homework assignment I have for you today. Uh, and it's, it's not a, a, a big one, but <clears throat> Matthew 23. Just show you a couple of verses here, one verse in particular, that's repeated various times <clears throat> uh, in the Gospels by Jesus himself. And the idea or a parallel to that is, is repeated at various places in the scriptures. Uh, and in particular, I'm talking about verses that kind of say the same thing. You know, the idea, of course, could be found many places. But I'm talking about actual verses that say something very similar. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, uh, you could look those up sometime and find out, see how many you find. This is uh, Matthew 23, uh, verses 11 and 12. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. That verse 12 there, verse 12 is the one I'm talking about. It's repeated several times in the Gospels. Uh, uh, the idea in, a, in something very parallel to that would be in the Proverbs a couple of times at least, uh, and uh, yeah, just, um, you know, that might be a couple of verses you could put on your refrigerator sometime, verse 11 and 12, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We won't turn to John 13, but you know John 13. We, we use it in our feet washing service uh, often. Uh, it's an example of Jesus, the master, humbling himself and washing the very feet of the disciples. Let's look uh, at it, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians in chapter 2. <clears throat> um, there, again, um, many of you realize the, the situation here or, or the, what the Paul was writing here, just reminding us of what Jesus did uh, in humbling himself. Um, <clears throat> you could read a number of verses. I'll just narrow it down here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> beginning with verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus this mind what, what, what was his mind did he walk around trying to be proud or uh, no he, he walked around as a, as a humble servant just being a, a representative of, of God on earth um let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is going on in the next couple of verses now to, to explain what he's saying. 
Verse 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but this is how he lived. But this is what he did. He was willing to do this. But verse 7, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Back a long time ago, a preacher uh, by the name of uh, George Herbert wrote a, a little poem, and I'll just read the, the first stanza of it. Um, I, I, don't remember, I don't know why, why he wrote it. I know he was thinking about Philippians chapter 2. He was thinking about himself and wanting to to offer himself, as as it were, as an offering to God. Maybe he was thinking about King David. When when King David was was gathering the materials to build the temple, you remember the situation? King David was gathering materials from the people, said, people, bring bring materials so we can build this temple. And the people so willingly brought all the things to build the temple. And it just almost, it's like it worked on the emotions of King David. King David just, just couldn't believe how willing the people were to, to bring all these things, to provide all these materials from their own belongings, as it were, to build the temple. And, and, and then he realized, you know, God, these things weren't the people's anyway. I, I mean, God, these things are all yours anyway. You've just given these things to the people to use and, and now they're, they're like, they're just giving them back to you. It's so beautiful. And if we can only get that in our minds uh, often, that our things are not ours, they've just been giving, given us to use and, and we should humbly give them back to, 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 the, to the owner. That's what they did. And, and I'm saying when this George Herbert wrote this little poem, he must have had some of that in mind also. It's a, good, it's a good poem to think about at the beginning of a day, uh, at the beginning of a week. Um, here it's called uh, A Song of Dedication. I'm not sure if, if the writer uh, actually gave it that title or not. Maybe he did. But anyway, it, it takes those various ideas that I've just mentioned uh, along here with, with um, Philippians chapter 2, and this is what it says. Lord, my first fruits present themselves to thee. Yet not mine neither, for from thee they came and must return, except of them and me. For thou, God Almighty, emptied of yourself in the form of a servant. Born in human likeness, you emptied of yourself. May this same mind be in me. Turn over a few pages to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I, 
I probably said this here before, I don't, I don't know, but some years ago, a few years ago, I heard a preacher preach uh, on this passage. As you realize, I mentioned earlier, verse 16 is the one about singing together in, in church and so forth, singing together among believers and, and encouraging one another with, with song and singing. Um, again, I already said it. Paul didn't write this to the choir or to the quartet or something. <laughs> this is written to the church. It's for everybody, okay? All right? But, um, um, but when, when I heard the preacher preach on this, it was in a, a setting of, 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 of music uh, and song and singing. But I'll just say it in a couple of, in a couple of lines here. He simply said this. We, we can't get to verse 16 Verse 16 won't work and do what it's supposed to do if we're not living in verses 1 to 15. And when we live according to verses 1 to 15, then verse 16 will just automatically happen. And he even said for people writing song and writing music, you know, if it's going to be for the honor and glory of God, one needs to be living in verses 1 to 15, and then verse 16 can happen. And so, you know, I'll never forget that. Uh, uh, every time I see this passage, I, I, I think about it that way. Well, we won't look at all of it, but let me just point out a couple of verses. <clears throat> We're talking about humility, verses 12, uh, 12 to 15. Verses 12 to 15. This is Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. That sounds like humility, does it not? That sounds like just getting rid of self and looking at the good of the brotherhood, at the good of my brother, uh, at the glory of God, and not at the glory of me and, and self and so forth. And... Um, <clears throat> When all that is in place, then verse 16 will work itself out in a beautiful way. <clears throat> now I'd like to look at two passages close together that say something else. <clears throat> they don't say something else, they say the same thing. Uh, they put humility and submission right side by side. I'm saying in light of the scriptures, in light of these scriptures and the scriptures of a whole, you cannot separate them. You cannot say, I'm going to be humble, but I can't submit or I won't submit. It, that will not work. It does not work. <clears throat> James chapter 4. These two passages, just a few verses I'd like to look at is in James 4 and then also in Peter, right, right next to it. James chapter 4, 
<clears throat> Imperative for a Christ-like servant is one of them I'm suggesting this morning is humility. James chapter 4, first of all, verses uh, 6 and 7, verse 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The word humble is used in verse 6. Right away it begins verse 7 with submit. You see how closely they are together, how closely they are related to each other. And a new thing jumped out at me in verse 10 just recently. It's so little and short, you know, how could something new there, but that's the word of God, you know. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. You know, that's serious. We can... We can try to humble ourselves in the sight of the people. You know, we can, we can act humble. We can do things maybe that, that look humble. Uh, we can try to appear humble at the right time, at the right place, and so forth. But what's important? Does God sees our heart? God knows if our heart is humble. Or God knows if we're just trying to put on a front. It says, this little short verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Does God know that I have a humble heart and a humble spirit? Yes, he does know. Uh, that, that verse is so serious because it brings to our mind, God knows. God sees our hearts. God sees inside of us. He knows whether our heart and spirit is humble or whether we want to lift ourselves up, and so forth. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> Turn over a few pages to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> Here it is again. Humility <clears throat> and submission right side by side. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one unto another and be clothed with humility. How, how much closer can you get it together than that? You see? Humility and submission go right hand in hand. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may, may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are, the, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I notice in both places, both... Peter, and James. Along with this submission and humility, it comes resistance to the devil. 
maybe it goes back to where I began. If, if we don't take a positive pro-approach, the devil will jump in. We must resist the devil. He wants us to be proud. He wants us to hold up self. He wants us to show ourselves to the world, you know, as me, you know. That's the opposite of humility and submission, you see. <clears throat> One more little passage and then we'll stop. Romans 12. Uh, <clears throat> You know, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, probably most of you, many of you this morning could, could say it right now by memory. And again, it's, it's something that struck me in a, in a little different way uh, because of, of one verse that maybe we overlook here recently. Romans chapter 12. Notice how verse 3 begins. Verse 3 begins, I said you can say verses 1 and 2 by memory, many of you, but look how verse 3 begins. For I say, he, he said verses 1 and 2, and verse 3 then is tied with it. It's not like verses 1 and 2 are sitting here off to a different chapter or a different point in time or something. They're tied together. And, and he goes on, you know, and, and many of the verses then after that are, have to do with relationships and so forth in the church and gifts, and how we work together. But for I say, in light of what I've said, in light of verses 1 and 2, then you, he says, for I say, beginning in verse 3. So let's see what verse 3 says. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay? Humility. Humbleness. With that in mind, then... We have verses 1 and 2. Presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. That's humility. That, 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 that's not lifting up self. That's giving self. That's totally giving self. A sacrifice. We could say more, but we don't have time. Let, let me just point out a couple of verses. Verse 10 Verse 10, let be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. That sounds like humility to me. And verse 16, verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits, or be not wise in your own proud notions. That's what it means. An imperative for a Christ-like servant is humility. One verse as our closing verse, and that's in chapter 17 of Luke. Just one verse. It says this, Luke 17, verse 10. So likewise, ye, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say... We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. In light of the grace of God that has come our way, that's certainly true.
And Jesus knew that. He's the one that said it. In light of the grace of God upon the life of you and I, in light of God shedding on us those things that we don't deserve, it's Romans 12.1, it's, it's just our reasonable service. We're just doing what we should do. So, we serve as good stewards of God's grace to us. We serve in an unassuming and with a humble heart. When we serve like this, it will show in our actions and in our attitudes and, and, and God can be glorified. May God, by his grace, help us to be faithful to that end. Let's have a closing song. <clears throat> Number 363. I think the song says it well. The very first line says, God who's giving knows no ending. And, um, you know, as servants of God, uh, we will be given, we are given gifts from God, we're given blessings from Him. His giving knows no ending. And then, um, yeah, I was challenged with, with uh, the message of our responsibility with those gifts that we have, of being good stewards with them and, and uh, being humble with them and, and using those to praise and honor God. Number 363.
Let's stand for closing prayer.